Hello and welcome to the Voice Extra podcast. Today I am here with Sienna. How are you doing today, Sienna? Hey, I'm doing really good. How are you, Teo? I'm good. It's all right. Uh, so, Sienna, uh, what are we here to talk about today? We're going to be talking about Dear White People, which I binged in a couple of weeks, but apparently you binged it a lot quicker than me. Yeah, one night uh, each season. It's not too long, so it's perfectly possible. It's just like, mm, maybe should have spread that out, but never mind. It's like spreading uh, the joy, but then you have concentrated joy to look back on. So <laughs> That is that is one way of putting it. Yeah. So, uh, Dear White People is a Netflix show which started in 2017. And it's uh, a show run by... Justin Simeon, who is a writer, director, um, and he has got this based off of his film from 2014 um, of the same name. And this kind of focuses on the life of a group of um, black students in a predominantly white uh, university in the US and them kind of navigating their lives in that space. And it touches on a lot of different issues. And also the reason why it's called Dear White People is because the kind of central character uh, called Sam has a radio show on the, like, uni radio uh, called Dear White People where she talks about a lot of racial issues. Mm. So, yeah, that is the kind of premise. Have you seen the movie? I have not seen the movie, actually. Have you? No, I haven't. I I want to, though. Um, I've heard it's pretty good. Yeah. Be interesting to contrast it. Yeah. Uh... Definitely. First thing, I guess, uh, what do you think about the way it shows uni life, like, in general, outside of the specific racialized dynamics? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's interesting for us to be talking about this as we're both, like, about to go to uni. We have no clue what it's going to be like yet. But yeah. from what I can understand, um, I don't know how old the director is. I can't imagine he is, like, really old because he still he still manage, manages to make it quite relevant. But at the same time, there's a few things that make it seem like they're trying a bit hard. Um, I don't know whether it's like all of the like the hashtag references. Like, from what I can tell, <laughs> people only say hashtag woke if if they're either lame or trying trying to be ironic. So maybe it's just a very ironic show. Uh, according to the internet. Justin Simeon is thirty-seven, but mm. give or take, basically in his thirties is the point of, <laughs> because you know sometimes information on the internet is a bit wonky. But in his thirties would Wait, be really safe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know that's a, that's a shock to some people out there that the internet sometimes has dodgy information. Internet is but, not gospel. Yeah, is. <laughs> 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 but yeah. Um, I think part of that as well is because the show is in playing in satire and a lot of different and messing around in that. Uh, sometimes you get very heightened things where you're like, "What is happening here? Mm. What is going on?" It's like you know in the show. Also, spoilers. You know in the show when um, Sam and Lionel go to the secret society and they're in like this yes. bell tower, and I was just sat there like. I don't really know what to think of this. Like, it's gone into some kind of surrealist, like, I don't know. It, it went in a weird direction, but it was kind of kooky and fun. I enjoyed that part. Yeah, it is very, it will go in all kinds of directions. And you just kind of are like, yeah, I guess this is happening. 
this is this is where where we are right now, yeah. and it's fun. It's never not fun, but you're sometimes just like, what is this? Yeah. What are we watching? I do feel like Lionel's storyline is the the most kind of unexpected. The direction that it goes in, like Sam's storyline, you can kind of see it going in those directions. But Lionel, mm-hmm. oh, when he meets the Doctor in the van, he's my favorite character. He is great. The Doctor, he's just a very fun character. Like a lot, a lot. This show has a lot of characters where they're just like they're not necessarily like hugely complicated or deep, but yeah. they're just very fun. Like all they add to the show is like a good laugh. Yeah, and a good like a good line here and there, but it's all very, it's always very like fun and good. Yeah. I'd say. I don't know. I think on the characters' point of view, like the way each episode well each episode is is titled chapter one two three four and it feels like the chapter of a book because you get those books where each chapter is from a different perspective and that's how they do it yeah so it starts with sam who i guess is kind of the pseudo main character although we're not probably supposed Mm -hmm. to do that um and with her radio show and then each episode is one of the other i don't know even know how many main characters there are like five? Uh, there are. There's like seven. Mm. So there's quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and I like it when they show events from different perspectives. Um. Yeah, yeah it's like a, a really cool thing that gets done. Is so true. Like, uh, they kind of uh, do a Rashomon where they're like, "Oh, I saw this from this perspective, yeah. and I saw it from eleven o'clock to eleven ten." You yeah. saw it from eleven oh five to eleven twenty, and you kind of see different angles on yeah. things and get really interesting different perspectives on the events that are occurring. Yeah, and it makes certain things make way more sense because you're like, why is this person acting this way? And you're like, oh, it's all connected. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's very pleasing to watch as a viewer to see like the different things that happen, um, especially because again, spoilers, like the the blackface party that happens at the beginning that like sets it all off. And you see it yeah. from first Sam's perspective and then Coco's and like all of the different ones. The guy, the pastiche guy, the white guy, um, do they have one from his perspective? Because I remember seeing like the blackface body from his perspective, but I don't know if he had a whole episode. I don't think he gets a whole episode now, no. as far as I remember. I mean, he pops up here and there. Also, the, um, the, the little history at the beginning, so much fun. Like a, a mini documentary about the university's history and their connections with slavery and just the way that they've dealt with race in the past and how it's impacting like the lives of these seven students. I really enjoyed that yeah. part. This like uh, entire show is narrated by uh, Giancarlo Esposito and he's, he's just very good at anything he's in, to be mm-hmm. honest. But his narration in this show is like top notch. Mm-hmm. It's just so good. Yeah. Uh, and like it's very like fun and witty, and he pulls it off incredibly. And I think this like I think for the entire show is that even when you're like mm, I don't know what's going on with this plot, the characters are very strong and the actors playing them are very strong in a way that you're like even if this plot goes anywhere, I'm still following this. Yeah. I'm just going to keep watching it anyway, even though this plot sometimes goes places where you're like, why? Yeah. Um, like in other, if the, if I wasn't yeah. so invested in the characters, I don't know if I would have made it past the first few episodes. 
but yeah. he got me invested early. And the thing is, like, as you were saying with the narrator, he's funny and he doesn't take himself seriously, although the rest of the characters 100% do. Like, they yeah. all take themselves very seriously. And yet the narrator is sometimes handling the most difficult subjects and he doesn't. So it's a bit of mm-hmm. a version of expectations, I think. Yeah, it's, it's like, really fun. And I think there's just, like... It's a very, like, fun show just throughout, I think. It's talking about race relations for, like, 90% of the episodes every single time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, man- it manages to do it in a way that is still fun and doesn't feel like... Well, mo- for the most part, it doesn't feel like we have a list of issues we have to get mm-hmm. through, so let's do it in a really dry way. Like, it mm-hmm. incorporates it in the characters and in fun events and in the humor and the satire works very well like uh what you talked about before um one of the uh like key things which is satirized um throughout the show is uh pastiche Mm. which is this like um magazine um that is made basically by a bunch of it's like satire it's like a satire of bad satire yeah um because it's, it's a satire of the kind of uh thing which is like People just want an excuse to say really offensive things, so they'll call it satire and make it a, t- uh, a magazine or a TV show, whatever. And be like, so like the Ricky Gervais type satire. satire. So they'll they'll make they'll they there's a there's a very consistent and good satire of that, which then gets into a lot of uh, different stuff. And there's other things which are very like specific in their reference points and are satirized in ways that are really sharp and cutting, and I think really effective. Yeah, uh, in a lot of ways. And I think, like as you say about pastiche, it satirizes the fact that in every campus, whether it's like a school or a university or a college or a work, you know, a big workplace, like it has the group that makes these dark jokes and thinks that no one can be offended because oh, it's satire, and like I don't know, like they just put it in a magazine format and like given the characters' names, but it's definitely about about the banter culture i guess yeah and i think a lot of this a lot of why the show works is that whilst these things are specifically framed within a university they could basically apply in most places Mm -hmm. like um i guess we're moving on to more like one of the big issues covered is particularly to do with uh the character of reggie played by marky richardson is um police brutality yeah and basically, uh, he has a like traumatic interaction with the police, and he—it's not like he's shot or he's like injured, but the interaction itself and the way the power dynamics are at play, like, are traumatic in and of themselves. And I think that is something which isn't just like, a, oh, this could happen at university and nowhere else thing. Like you've seen over the past few months, over the past of, of since the beginning of the existence of the police, mm-hmm. that like that is a dynamic which takes place and continues to take place. And I think a lot of those issues, whilst they're framed within the university, kind of apply very broadly and are kind of a useful way to see these issues in a broader sense, Especially I guess. because the man who is, like, psychologically threatening towards Reggie at this party, he isn't the police that are patrolling the streets. He's, like, a college campus police, which means, policeman, that means, like anyone in a place of authority can have that like threat and yeah. that over someone it's not just the uk police or the us police 
you know, it's anyone in with a position of authority yeah. over a student like that. Yeah, and I think that, that's like one of the things that does whatever is that like those and it, and it manifests in other parts of the show as well. But it's like those. It's not just a thing of oh, this one group of people are creating this dynamic. Like mm-hmm. the racialized power dynamics mean that even if you're just like some random police or like security guard oh you still have a greater power because of this dynamic which is created by the racism in society like there's a i think there's definitely a sense in which things are broader than just this university and that's a really important thing and it gets into the because there's so many um black characters who are allowed to have this internal life it means that you get an idea of the ways in which anti-blackness affects them as individuals in terms of their internal life mm-hmm. and not just in like a very shallow way. Yeah, definitely. I'm curious, uh, a, a lot of these, um, a, this show got put on a lot of when people were making like lists of stuff to watch when you're thinking about and learning about anti-racism oh, yeah. or whatever. Did you find... How do I phrase this? Did you find this show educational in a sense? Um, the main thing looked like the the issues that they covered towards racism, like like it didn't educate me on those because like I knew they existed. The the way that it educated me, I guess, is just through perspective, like as a white girl, like because all of the main leads were black, and we get so much of an insight into how each event affects them. Like, it was through perspective and also black culture because there are so many references to black culture. It's like, white family, you know? Haven't got a clue. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it was educative in that sense. So, like, not directly, but through perspective. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get you. Because it's kind of like a... Because I think often a lot of... When we move outside of documentary and into, like, fictional filmmaking, mm. I think what is more effective and often more important when you're moving to fiction rather than non-fiction is that it's less about me educating you on the direct numbers because to be frank most people know like on an empirical level that racism and institutional racism or whatever exists yeah. like it's not rocket science mm. like there are so many statistics to prove this i think the purpose of particularly fiction um is to do more of a okay, we're teaching you on an emotive level. Like, we're teaching you why, for example, um, the pressures of... Or how, like, um, there's a character called Coco uh, played by uh, Antoinette Robertson, and she's incredible. And, like, it shows the ways in which the pressure for black people to be excellent and to be, like, examples to our race or whatever have a specific psychological effect yeah and like this and it's more i think for me in terms of fiction it's more important to create that emotional connection to make people who aren't black realize oh right this is the emotional effect and to understand this stuff on an emotional level rather than just know it from a oh yes racism exists yeah i can quote you these statistics way because that doesn't necessarily trigger actual action. That just means you're kind of aware these things exist, which I think is the purpose of fiction in, like, social justice contexts. Yeah, I think... um, I mean, I watched the show because it came up on, like, my Netflix suggested. Um, 
so I knew like I obviously had heard it a bit before um I didn't like when like the black lives movement was big with George Floyd and like everyone was talking about like I didn't watch it because of that but like at the same time I was aware that like more perspectives need to be spoken about and I yeah like I'm never gonna know what it's like to be in a black skin just like a man is never gonna know what it's like to be in the skin of a woman but at the same time like if I can if I can learn a little bit um through a Netflix show I'm not (laughs) I mean I don't know okay this is a question for you I'm talking about perspective but like did you feel like it was authentic for like living as a black person because it's a Netflix show and it's not obviously as we said it's it's funny and it's not super serious although the issues it talks about are serious like did you think it was authentic in that sense i i it's weird because obviously i've never lived in the us mm-hmm. and so it's kind of a different type of black experience yeah but there are still a, a few very universal things and there's a lot of things where you're like you can you see it come up in the show and you're like, yep, I know that, yep, I know that, yep, I know that. And I think why this show works as well is in the sense of it feels like it's also for black people as well because there's some there's some things about racism and about race where you feel like, okay, this is not for people of colour or black people depending on the context, but right. this is not for us. This is for the purpose of educating white people about yeah. racism and how it works. I think how this show works with its strong characters, with its humour, etc., is that it doesn't, it feels, it works for black people as well. It just works as a thing we can find funny and a way we can, like, satirise kind of the issues we face as opposed to, and it almost feels kind of cathartic because you're like, oh, this exists in this other space and we're making fun of it and we're kind of taking power away from it. Um, and so I think it works on that level in a way that is authentic and works for black people as opposed to just being like some other stuff where I'm like, mm-hmm, this is very like racism 101. I don't need to know this sure. uh, kind of way. And I think that's like one of the really smart and effective things about the show is that it works on so many different levels, so many different people. And like, you kind of see that as well with the um, intersectionality throughout, like there's so many different kinds of black experience represented and it's the show in general, there are some exceptions to this, but in general is conscious of the way in which different kinds of black people experience different uh, parts of black culture, parts of racism, whatever, differently. And it's really incisive on that for the most part. Yeah. And I think something that's interesting about that is the way, like, as you said, like the way each character experiences, um, I guess, racism, like, because, because Sam, who, has the radio show and is like extremely outspoken um in calling people out she receives this like internet trolling whereas her friend um what's her name beginning with a j joelle joelle yeah she is like although is still outspoken she is a bit quieter um or at least is presented like that in contrast to sam and like she doesn't you don't see as many, um, like, she doesn't, she doesn't experience as much racism as Sam, as Sam does in this show. And so, I don't know, it's, like, because of how Sam is so outspoken with this radio show and then receives the trolling, it's like, I don't know, it's, although they're both black women, the 
experiences of uni life are completely contrasted just because of their character. And I think as well, one thing that even uh, complicates that when you get to the the third season explores, I think more than the previous ones, is the ways in which the reasons why Joel is quieter, like exactly, essentially they both have the same like politics, mm-hmm. but essentially because Sam is a lighter skinned black person, she is less. How do I phrase it? The abuse she would she would face is often less violent and less like quote unquote less bad. Yeah. Like there's less of it. Like because generally speaking, darker skinned black women in particular um, face more um, violence. Uh, than their lighter skin counterparts, even though it's like all bad, but like there's a scale in terms of uh, colorism stuff like that. Yeah. And so like there is a like it's very much gets into okay the reason why Joa is quieter, the reason why she's not as she's not she can't be as loud as Sam mm-hmm. is essentially because as a dark skinned black woman she faces um uh more stuff to do with like her being seen as aggressive, yeah. her being seen as whatever because um like an example of where you saw this was um when Serena Williams uh, played against Naomi Osaka. Yeah. And Naomi Osaka is black, but she's um, black and Japanese. So she's, like, significantly lighter skinned than Serena Williams, who is, uh, I think, just Mm -hmm. African-American. And there were a lot of... There was, like, one really... uh, One specific example of a racist cartoon which basically drew Serena Williams as, like, this, like savage figure breaking her racket and being angry and aggressive and drew Naomi Osaka as this like genteel and basically drew her as a white woman literally gave her blonde hair when her hair isn't blonde that's mental basically tried to create this contrast essentially because they're both black women but because Serena Williams is a darker skin black woman she faces like a um different violence so I think the show that's one of the things which I was like, oh, the show is actually addressing this. Mm-hmm. Because Netflix, but a lot of TV and film, but Netflix in particular, has a thing where even in shows where there's lots of black people, the black women in particular tend to be lighter skinned. Like, if you look at the majority of Netflix shows, mm-hmm. like, even when they have black women in the leads, it's like Amanda Steinberg mm-hmm. and uh, but a bunch of other lights and black women and like it's not really about them but it's more about the way in which like hollywood and general life as a system is like mm, we'll take like the more acceptable version of you guys but like not the less acceptable one like we see it in joelle and also we see it in the fact that coco um is very she takes like such a different um view of activism like her and Troy, they go about um like the Black Caucus and like all these meetings to like further the interest of black people on campus in such a, a different way to like Reggie and Sam and Joelle because she she has this like cr- crazy ambition to be um like the, f- the first female black president and the first like like be a lawyer or like all of these ambitions and because of her ambitions you feel like she can't be as outspoken as Sam and even Joelle like contrast her to Joelle like she is not as quote radical like like is that yeah like as, yeah as be... Sam speaks um and like that ambition t- means that she has to temper her opinions and like we see that I think it's especially in the third season as she's like trying to get this scholarship 
um, and she had yeah. toned down her opinions. And she goes to these functions with Troy, who's the son of the president of the university, and she has to like hold her, hold her tongue just because of her ambition. So, like again, yeah. personality and their goals for life affects how they deal with their experiences at uni. Yeah, and I think it's really it kind of takes all these like broader conversations about activism um and about different types of activism and their effectiveness and kind of puts them all in this uni context mm-hmm. uh to kind of just so like use this microcosm to talk about these bigger issues which i think is a really effective part of the show it is super effective because yeah like documentary style when like when you get those documentaries and they use like real stories to illustrate points which is effective of course but this way of doing it I, it's like this is in no way is this a documentary but at the same time it is it is doing the same thing and exploring issues through through people's lives but they're just fictional not yeah. real. although obviously it is a lived experiences so yeah and i think to kind of bring us to a close um how can i guess we kind of touched on it already but how do you think we can bring the issue or how do you think you can relate this show and the way it portrays us issues to our broader lives like what are you what would you say you're taking from this show into a broader life outside i guess mm. the way in which the the challenges that every student faces right so like um financial or like i don't know workload like like there are issues which are universal to all students um that affects some students, like working class students or, um, you know, black students worse than other students. Um, I think I think that really hit home for me. It's something that I was obviously already aware of, um, but it deepened the awareness and, like, as the show is fantastic at doing, makes it personal. Um, yeah, that was that was mine. I think. Um, a little bit wishy-washy like there was no because it's so emotive there's I don't think there's any direct takeaway for me what about you I guess my main takeaway from the white people as a show like in general has been that it's important to have lots of different kinds of uh black people or like you can basically apply it to any other marginalization but it's important to have shows which have a bunch of people of a certain identity given their own agency because it means that like you can have you can do more with their stories you're not telling the same one story about a disabled person or the one same one story about a gay person or whatever it means you can actually explore more interesting and complex issues when you give multiple people who are multiple different kinds of people within that identity the space to actually have their own stories and have their own agency and have it created by people who understand these experiences yeah and that's just a thing which i think is something we desperately need to continue doing and to have more of because like um there's the netflix show um uh special which is um made by and and stars uh ryan o'connell who he has um, cystic fibrosis. I'm going to quickly check that. But, um, he makes a show about his disability, but also just about him trying to live his life as a gay man. Yeah. And when you have more shows which are actually written by the people who have these experiences and are able to incorporate the people with these experiences, I think it's much, sorry, cerebral, palsy, cerebral palsy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when you've written by these people who have these experiences 
and you're like, it gives such a different angle and it gives such an interesting view on these things, which is super important and just necessary. And to be honest, makes much better stories Definitely. in general. Because like Dear White People, even outside of like the incisive way it looks at race, it's also just a very good show with very good performances. Like it it's and does a lot of interesting stuff with filmmaking. Yeah. Um so yeah. Also the fact that like as you were saying, the like because it's so big on identity politics, but at the same time, no one is because the main all the main characters are black, no one is defined by being black in the same sense that like although one of the characters is gay, he's not defined as a black gay man because like through his interactions because i think that if they'd had seven leads you know all of like like do you get the point i'm trying to make i can't put it into words but like, yeah, yeah, yeah that they're not defined by their um by the fact that they're not uh they're not there as a representation of their entire identity like because like the show has more than one uh black gay character has more than one black bisexual character etc yeah. so you're not like this person is a stand-in for every black gay person that has ever existed exactly and just because they're that's their experience they're not trying to relate desperately to every experience of every black gay man like yeah. they're accepting that there are so many different experiences and that's it kind of relieves the tension of like them desperately gra- grappling at relatability yeah exactly so yeah i think that brings to a close. What we're basically saying is go watch this show. Yeah, please. <laughs> and if people wanted to talk to you about the show, Sienna, where would they find you? Oh, you can find me on Instagram. It's at Sienna James with a Z at the end. Um, so today's episode was made possible by Voice Magazine, an online platform for young people interested in art and culture. You can read Voice over at voicemag.uk and find it on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as voicemag.uk. Voice contributors also run our own Instagram account at Voice to Extra, so like, Sedan's so looking up reviews of films she's watched, and there's just been stuff going on there, so go check it out. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please considering helping to make us, to helping us to make more stuff like this and like other stuff uh, at voicemag.uk slash donate. If you're looking for another podcast to listen to from us, you've got the Voice Magazine podcast, which has weekly interviews with artists and creative leads in the sector. There's so much stuff there. It's great. Go listen. And thank you to Kevin McLeod for letting us use the track Shaving Mirror. You can find more of his work on Incompetech.com. And this podcast was also executive produced by Tom Innes. So thank you so much, and we will see you next week. Thanks, Taya. Bye-bye.